Mac Power Users, episode 469, Running a Business with G Suite. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hey, David. How are you today? Good. We, as Apple users, are going into the world of Google for an episode. I'm, I have my multicolored hat. Uh, Do you? You know, it's like they give new Googlers. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean, why not? Well, you know, we, we, we've been hearing from a lot of listeners that, that use Google a lot, and they're asking us, how does it really fit in? Uh, there's a lot of listeners who are afraid of Google, and uh, we thought we'd cover that a little bit. Um, I use pieces of the Google suite for a lot of the things I do, both as a lawyer and as a geek. And you guys use Google a lot for the background running of your, your podcast network. Yeah, Relay FM runs on G Suite. We, we can talk about that in detail as we go along, but it's really like core to how we work to stay in and day out. Yeah, so we there's a lot of lot to cover. Uh, we're going to cover from the basics to the advanced and explain what we do and what we don't do with the G Suite. And uh, it certainly is a, an option for an Apple user. Just because you're using Apple Gear doesn't mean that you're locked out or, or shouldn't necessarily be using it, so long as you do that, the best information. Sure. And I think that's a big uh, a big feature of these sort of online services. There's a lot of positives, but one of them is like, to a degree, you can use whatever hardware or like browser you want. Sometimes things work better one place or another, but like yeah, my entire company runs on G Suite and I do it with an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac. Like there's no Chromebook in sight here. It's really handy to kind of mix and match solutions. Yeah, we were talking to Christina last week about the old, you know, forum wars between yeah. Windows and Mac. And I feel like in addition to the stuff we said last week, another reason why that is less relevant is because it's not like the old days where the software was exclusive to each platform. So much of it is web-based now that uh, it doesn't matter what device you're using. You can get access to these tools. And of course, Google is in a lot of ways the granddaddy of the web app. And um, yeah, they sort of invented it almost. And and they are usually the leader on the curve in terms of innovation and, and new tools. I mean, the other companies do follow up. We're going to cover that in the show the way like Word and Pages, for instance, are trying to knock on the door of the stuff Google Docs does. But, you know, Google's always the first one there because that is the primary focus of the company. Yeah, and there are a lot of advantages to that, right? If you think about using an online service versus, say, a server in, you know, the hall closet in your office, like you said, you can get to those from anywhere. But one thing I really like is it's like just fewer local files to lose or to back up as well, right? Like Google Drive and these options have export options we can talk about where you can go in and download all the data in your account, but it being safe and sound and, you know, a big company's big data center is more secure from a perspective of data loss than just being on my laptop that, you know, I may lose going through the airport. You know, I, you know, I talk to a lot of lawyers about technology and the, um, in fact, just later this month when we have our live event, I'm going to be at the ABA tech show in Chicago. So if you're there, mm -hmm. say hi. But the, uh, one of the things I always get cornered on is they're like, how can you put anything in the cloud that's unsafe as a lawyer? And they always telling me this. And then I say, well, where are your files? And they'll say, well, it's on my server. And I say, okay, where's your server? Oh, it's in the closet in my office. And what server are you running? And so often it's like an old version of a Microsoft server software. You know, it's not the right. most current. And I say, well, how often do you have someone there, you know, guarding 
that server, you know, checking for software hacks or people knocking on the door. Well, my guy comes once a month and he checks the server, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, is that server connected to the internet? Well, yes, it is. I mean, they, when you get down to it, a lot of times, not always, I mean, there are certainly people that have their own servers that are very locked down. Uh, but quite often, a lot of these people that think that they're safer because they have their own server are actually quite a bit more at risk because they're running old software with maybe not all the security patches. There's not, maybe there's a dedicated IT person, but really not a dedicated security person. And they don't even realize how often the bad guys are knocking at the door on that server to get into that data. Right. And you've got like hard, something as simple as hardware reliability or, you know, like things like power and networking, like things that in an office you don't have at scale the way you do in a, in a big like cloud providers data center, right? Like it would take an asteroid hitting a data center to bring some of these down at this point. They've redundant power, redundant networking, physical security. It's like in my past life doing IT stuff, I went into a couple of data centers and you wouldn't believe the security even to get into like a rinky dink, like rent some space data center that a local telecom may use someplace like Google or Microsoft or Apple uh, I mean, it's it's almost like top secret clearance type stuff to get into, right? Your data is going to be safe there in a way that it's just it's difficult to replicate if you're doing it on your own. I was even talking to a Mac developer recently who does uh, say you know syncs data for some of its customers, and they use the servers locked in cages in guarded buildings, and you know it's just like whereas the server in your office, the you know every day the cleaner goes through that room. You know, and I mean, how many people have keys that can get them physical access to that server in addition to all the, the threats out from the Internet? So I guess we're, we're probably was it shooting a dead horse or beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah. But, but, the uh, you know, you, you get a, uh, a cloud service and the initial well, where the initial thought, especially years ago, would be, oh, that's not safe. Uh, that's not necessarily the case anymore. And it may actually even be safer, depending on what you've done. Uh, I think another big benefit is the the collaboration angle. So if you think about this old model of having a Microsoft server in the closet and you got a bunch of Word and Excel files on it, you have collaboration in the sense that I can open a document and then I can save it to the server and then you can open it you know, the next day and see what I've done. But collaboration in the sense that I think about it is real time, that you and I are working on a document together. And, and that is something that cloud providers are sort of uniquely suited to doing because it's it's not a single document. It's it's a document within a web app. And so like right now, you and I are looking at the same Google Doc and we can move things around and change things uh, all at the same time where, you know, sort of that the passing of the file back and forth on the server doesn't give you that flexibility. And it's great if you're working in a team to say, hey, let's just look at this, you know, two o'clock on Tuesday together, we can meet different parts of the world and do our job. Where in the past, that's, you know, you're emailing a file back and forth, you're saving it back and forth. And and that can lead to errors and can lead to confusion. And collaboration for me is key in all of this, that I can just sit down and work on something with somebody else, wherever they are. I would argue that is almost the number one takeaway of this show. You look at Microsoft Word and or just Microsoft Office and Apple iWork, and they start from the position of a single person wants to make a deliverable, whether it's a spreadsheet or a presentation or a document, and give them the best possible tools to make the best possible version of that. 
Whereas the starting point for the G Suite is a group of people want to collaborate. That informs the, the entire way the application is made. One of the reasons why we don't have a native Google Docs app on the Mac is because they want you to run it out of the web where they can completely control that experience. And we're going to talk later about how both are kind of racing towards the middle a little bit. Uh, G Suite's trying to get better at document layout and the stuff that it's traditionally been bad at. And Word and iWork are trying to get better at collaboration. They're, they're both trying to like run at each other in a certain extent. But if you're thinking about G Suite, if collaboration is the number one thing you need, G Suite needs to be on your list of considerations because there's things you can do with G Suite documents and spreadsheets. And we're going to talk about some specific applications later in the show outline that just they're not on the table with the other stuff. And it, it, it like changes, it, it actually changes the fundamental nature of the tool in that regard. And um, like, I'll just give one away. My kids were telling me how at school, you know, they're not allowed to text each other and everything. They open a, a Google document and they, they write in there because it's live collaboration. They talk, they talk to each other via Google document, Wow, <laughs> you know? And so they've turned it into a messaging platform. Um, and because that's the way they could do it, you know, <laughs> they're not cheating or anything. It's just, you know, you want to send a note to your friend about whatever, you know, that's incredible. <laughs> and, and that's just one way people are using this stuff and you can, because the collaboration is so good. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a neat thing they do too, is a lot of, a lot of Google's online apps have, yes, we can talk in the document, but they actually have like a chat window separated from the document. So we could be looking at a spreadsheet and chatting about something without manipulating the data in the sheet. And that's something that I use with my coworkers all the time. Like, hey, can you look at this? Or what do you think about this? You know, before I go in and do it, give you that layer of abstraction away from the data. So it's not just collaboration in the sense that I can edit the document when you do, but we can talk about it on a meta level before editing the document itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the bottom line is as much as Apple and Microsoft are working on this, Google has always ruled on this collaboration stuff. Yeah. I've had, I've had real not great luck with, with the, uh, I work in the cloud stuff. So it's like pages and you go in the browser and do it. And uh, I've really found that I try it about once a year or so. Uh, we usually try it on connected with my co-host there and it always falls down. You know, it's just it's just not quite there yet. And they're getting, like you said, everyone is progressing, but Google had such a head start, it's taking a long time for these other providers to catch up. Well, and I guess let's just talk about that a little bit right now. Because um, I've had better experience than you have. Um, but it is, I think I'm a little more forgiving of it because, uh, you know, Pages is a good example. It is a page layout tool. There is page formatting stuff you can do in Pages that... Um, just doesn't work very well in Google Docs. You know, I, uh, I was just earlier today, I was working on a contract with a client. We were working in Google Docs and we had to do some formatting. And it was like, we were all, there was three people on the call, all working on the document at the same time. Nobody could get the document to format right to the extent that finally we just copied the text out of the document and blasted the formatting out. I mean, it was like, it was a, it was a very, you know, um, lousy way to fix some format. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in pages, I could have done it in seconds. And so there's things yeah. pages does better. Um, and traditionally both pages and word had this thing where, uh, they had native apps 
But you know, when you have a native app, then you're adding a layer of abstraction. If you want to collaborate on a pages document, first it has to go to the internet, then it has to translate that down to the local app. That's why you'll see pages and word now trying to do collaboration on the web. They want to have equal playing field with them. Google Docs, and and they're better. Like uh, uh, another example is Apple Notes. Apple Notes collaboration really works. Uh, on my show, uh, Focus, that I do with Mike Schmitz, um, just as an experiment, we started the show, we started outlining the show in Apple Notes. And we do that now. And we, just like you and I do with Google Docs, Mike and I do with Apple Notes. And while we're, while we're recording the show, we can move a sponsor read down. We can change or we can write a note to each other about let's skip this point until next month, you know, and it shows up, um, maybe not instantly, but within seconds. And, um, that's close enough. Yeah. Notes is a great example of Apple doing it well within an app, right? You're not going out to the browser that you're just doing it in the notes app on your Mac. I I would like to see them bring that to more and more things. Now, of course, notes and its scope is far simpler than pages. Like you said, pages is really a page layout tool that like has a, a word processor in it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's incredibly powerful and wide ranging. And I think that's, to rebuild all of that would take time, right? It's different than if Apple had just put text at it in the cloud, which is less than Google Docs, but maybe the delta between them is smaller than Google Docs and pages. But yeah, it's a different, it's a different tool. But I'd like to Apple, I would like to see Apple improve that definitely there, there's still there's a lot of room to go but um it is impressive that they've got it working another example is i'm doing a, a collaborative presentation in keynote right now and we're designing it online together and it's it's working fine but i wouldn't want to have three people at the same time monkeying around with it all right well enough about that let's let's talk a little bit then about google as a platform because i think that always comes up whenever you get into this discussion yeah this is a big topic right people have rightfully so have complex feelings about google as a company and uh, uh g suite as a as a product and i'm just going to say i'm going to put a disclaimer here I'm going to call this Google Apps at some point over the next hour or so. I just I promise I will. That's what it was called for years. Google Apps is a better name than G Suite, but I'm I'm trying my best here. Please forgive me. Um, I, I almost did that when I read the show title because <laughs> in my head it is Google Apps. It, it, there's a translation layer going on throughout this entire show. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just do a find and replace in the edit. Uh, that's not how. <laughs> That's not how that works. Audio text expander. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be incredible. Um, Smile. Get on that for us. So I think a lot of the the feelings around Google come down to their business model, right? Uh, Google primarily is a search engine that primarily makes its money through advertising. It makes a lot of money through advertising. Google's a big company. And because of that, people feel that Google's going to do things with their data to serve them more relevant ads. And if you are using run-of-the-mill Google applications, not as a G Suite paying customer, to a degree, that's true, right? So if you have a regular Gmail account or doing regular Google searches, doing this sort of regular, I just have a regular at gmail.com address, uh, Google is using that data to a degree to serve you more relevant ads. And it's sort of up to us as consumers, I think, to know what we're comfortable with and what we're not. But we need to we need to separate that from G Suite. So G Suite is a paid program. Relay FM pays Google money each month for these services. And according to Google itself, um, in their security white paper, 
there's no advertising in the core products being Gmail, Docs, Sheets, Hangouts, and Google Keep. So these are, are ways that Google makes money for me as a regular consumer. But if I show up as Stephen at Relay.fm, I'm a paying customer. And so that's how they're making their money for me, not through advertising. So it, I think it's important to, to realize that, that distinction is there because it's an important one. Well, one, I, so I was trying to get to the bottom of this before we recorded. You know, there's so many people on the internet that think Google is the best thing on earth or the worst thing on earth that I can't seem to, yeah, I can't really figure it out. But I understand they don't serve you ads. Are they still doing data collection and analysis when you have a paid account? Like, are they still reading your email to find out if you're talking about kumquats? I'm very curious about your email all of a sudden. Like, can we just. <laughs> Devote the rest of the show to that. It's just one of my favorite silly words. Yeah, it's good. Um, you're going to get highly relevant ads if they are. You know, that's, that's a good question. And, and honestly, just reading the white paper, the, the language says no advertising. So um, it doesn't say no collection. That is, I, that's, that's, I, just, I would just like, no, I think I'd feel a lot better about it if I knew that not only are you not feeding me ads, you're still you're also not using me to help build your advertising machine for, you know, and I, I just don't know. But the... Um, and some, if somebody definitively knows and has some something you can point me to, please do. I, I, you know, we'll we'll cover it in feedback at some point. But, but if you just got an inkling or you heard from a guy, don't 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 email me. It's okay. <laughs> all I googled stuff, it. That's what I said. All that stuff is on the internet already. Yeah. So so how do, so how do you feel like? Where is your use of? of Google products and how do you feel about it? And has that changed over time? It, it, it has. I'll tell you, uh, when Google first arrived, I mean, I remember when it was just a simple little, you know, web search and it was like so much better than everybody. So I, I'm, my first reaction to Google was love, you know, how much better it was than all the other ones. Remember ask Jeeves, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and that was cool. But you know, then as they got a little creepier, you know, whenever a company has a, a motto, what is their company versus do not do no evil. Maybe it's just the fact yep. I've been a lawyer so long. When someone tells me that's their, their motto, it just like immediately raises the hackles, you know, it's like, wait <laughs> a second, but, but, uh, and they did, so they've done some kind of creepy things over the years, but I, I feel like, the word's out now. I mean, it's an advertising company and they're going to give you some really awesome services and they're going to serve you ads. And that's kind of the price of admission. And I think most people in our circles know about this. I think, I wish everybody kind of understood that better, but I, I don't think they're necessarily out to get you. And I don't think that they're going to try to violate your trust. I think that that's important to them that people trust them. So, you know, I, I really, I'm not totally against it. It's like, you know, um, we do show outlines for this show in Google. I'm even going to talk later about some le uh, legal client stuff I do through Google Docs. Um, but the uh, at the same time, I don't really go out of my way to use them either. I, I do like kind of more, a little more control of my privacy and I'm, I'm willing to pay, you know, I'm willing to pay so I don't have to, to do that. Yeah. So, so for me, I've used... Gmail for my personal email forever. Uh, I remember when Gmail first launched, it was like an invite only system. So you had to like find somebody with an invite. This is before yeah. Yeah. Twitter and Reddit and all these things, right? So it's like I had a person, a friend in real life who got in and like sent me. I think he handed me actually like the sign up code. It's yeah. incredible. Very different time. I remember that. I've used it forever. I now use it with a mix of iCloud services. But like I said, at work for, for Relay FM, it's G Suite all the way. That's where email is. That's where our calendars are. That's where all of our documents are. For, for me, my sort of feeling on it, and again, it's going to vary for everybody, 
but it's that the the features I get and the uh, the tools that I can use because of Google's platform is worth that price of admission. And it's important to remember that this data is all um, it's anonymous to Google, right? They're, they're not there's not somebody sitting in like Google's campus, which I've been to. It's lovely. No one's sitting there in the cube farm. Uh, you know, just refreshing David Sparks' email account. That's just not how it works. And that level of abstraction, and there's privacy built into that. And and I think you made a really astute point is Google and all of all of these companies, really, they operate on trust as the currency, right? So if they do something that breaks that trust, then they they can lose users, they can lose revenue. And there will always be people who that trade-off is not worth it or they don't feel like it is. And that's totally fine. Totally fine. I understand it. But for me, where I am as Steven, an individual, I'm, I'm fine with their services and, and use them every day. I mean, if you look at Facebook as an example, they've had some trust breakdowns. I guess that's one way to put it in the last year. And uh, so a lot of people that don't think about this stuff for a living are starting to question their relationships with Facebook. And I think that that is an example of why I think Google is going to try and, and yeah. do, do the right thing. Thea, <laughs> exactly. I, I also think that it may get easier to use these services if there is government regulation. And I know I'm going to just annoy the heck out of a bunch of our listeners by talking about government regulation. But, but you know, maybe... You know, maybe that's not a bad idea to to say put some limits on what they can do, or at least give us a way to understand exactly what they're doing with our data. I mean, just I mean, not to to jump on Facebook again, but I think just like in the last week, I read an article where somebody had built a service showing you exactly how Facebook was using your data, right? And then Facebook blocked the tool, so you can't do it. You can't see how they're using it. I mean, it's just like maybe we should be able to know that stuff. And then if you go into it knowingly, you know, okay, this is what they're doing. Okay, I'm okay with that trade off. Um, and just one last point before we move on. Uh, I, my, the reason I don't use Google isn't a religious, you know, you know, ferocity against, um, Google. It's, it's more in a lot of ways for me, it's convenience because, you know, when I left the firm, went out on my own, I have my whole empire now built around iCloud services. You know, I have my contacts database, my email, everything is just managed in one provider. That's, that's done fine for me. I know some people don't like iCloud even more than they don't like Google, but it's been fine for me and it's nice having everything in one place. It just makes everything so much easier. Hey, I want to thank our first sponsor, Omni Outliner, from our friends over at the Omni Group. Omni Outliner is, in my opinion, the best outliner for the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. Omni Outliner combines powerful outlining tools plus a smart and simple interface to allow you to make beautiful outlines that can be as complex as you want them to be, but no more than that. You know, it can be really simple, too. With smart columns and scriptability, custom styles and templates, you really can't go wrong. And you can share your data between all your devices uh, with Omni Outliner. So you always have got your outlines with you. This is really helpful for me because I'm always using Omni Outlines for stuff I'm working on. Like if I'm writing a contract for a client, if I'm planning the next field guide, I keep those as an outline in Omni Outliner. So I can just pull my phone or my iPad out of my pocket and I can go in and fiddle with it whenever the thought occurs to me. And then when I get back to my Mac, everything's there and I'm ready to go. Another thing I like about it is this: they look so good. Like, for instance, on the legal side, when I outline a document for a client, that's one of the first steps I do on, on major transactions is send the client an outline of the whole thing. 
And they're always impressed. I, I once I had a marketing company, I sent them the outline. They said, we we're really happy with what you're doing. But the biggest question we have is, is how, how did you do this? <laughs> you know, because now they want to use it with the stuff they share with their clients. And I had to tell them, it's just an app. You just need a Mac. And it's on the outliner. So no matter where I am, I can always have my outlines with me and they're going to look great. We've heard from listeners that use Omni Outliner for all sorts of things like writing a novel, creating a family tree, or, or just collecting their thoughts. It's a great application and you should check it out today. If you have an, any need for outlining, head over to theomnigroup.com and download Omni Outliner. They have a free trial so you can check it out and just see how great it is. Um, they've got some tutorials on the website so you can figure it all out and get outlining today and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the basics of, I'm going to say it, G Suite. I got it, got it right. All right. Good man. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to get it right. So the the easiest way to sort of talk about this, I think, or the way to sort of picture it if you're not familiar with it is... It's basically like having a regular Google account, so Gmail, Google Docs, et cetera, but with your own domain name. And so I can log into Gmail as Stephen at relay.fm, and it's you know it looks just like a regular Gmail account. It's regular Google Docs. It just has a lot of extra goodies sort of layered on top being a G Suite customer. Yeah. And those administration tools, which are so great. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the... Uh, like I said, most of these apps, regular Gmail users can use, but there are uh, some extra features and some, and really, I think the admin stuff and the sharing options, uh, access via G Suite are really where it makes the difference for a lot of people. Or some people may just want an easy way to have a branded email account. So if you're starting a business, you don't want your email address to be like at Gmail or at iCloud or at well, no one should be at Yahoo anymore, but you, know, you see what I'm saying? Like you yeah. want something that looks a little more professional. And if you're used to Gmail, this is a really easy way to do it. Uh, and the pricing, the pricing is starts at like $5 a user a month. And uh, there's a link in the show notes, actually the first link in the show notes uh, sort of uh, walks through this. It goes up to $25 a user a month. You can basically add on additional storage. There are enterprise security features, third-party integrations, uh, e-discovery tools, which I want actually, David, I want to hear you talk about because I don't think I quite understand what those do. Um, but kind of you can add things on as you need them or as your organization grows. Yeah, just I don't want to get into it at great length, but when people get mad at each other and sue each other, uh, in the old days, they'd say, I want to see all your files. And that was something you were entitled to look at generally with exceptions, of course. And so the court had all these procedures where you could go make copies of their papers. But of course, now nobody has paper. So e-discovery is the digital version of that, looking at your emails and whatever you have related to something. It's a big, it's a big mess, and lawyers are still trying to figure it out because the law, legal profession is, is far behind. <laughs> okay. So if, if you're a big company, I guess you need that protection yeah. uh, that's available to you. And I, I know when I worked at the Salvation Army, we used um, Lotus Notes. For everything, it's like I know everyone calm down. I know it's cutting edge, but <laughs> it is yeah, what it was. Yeah. And e-discovery was a huge deal. They had corporate policies and like policies on the server in place for us not to for automatically forward our email out because a lot of people would would try to forward it out to like a Gmail account so they could check it on their phone. Because when I was there, at least Lotus and mobile devices didn't really speak to each other yet. Yeah, and it was because of e-discovery. So if that's 
something that you need, or if your lawyer tells you you need it, you can still use G Suite. Yeah, that one falls in the category of lawyers ruin everything. <laughs> uh, you know, not not all of them are terrible. I know, I know one guy is pretty good. There you go. G Suite is also huge in education, and like honestly, this is a whole show unto itself. Uh, and it was a, a Fraser and Bradley Chambers on Out of School talked a lot about this uh, sh- a show that covered tech and education. Uh, that show is ended now, but I think there's still a lot of good stuff in their archives. But if you are a school, uh, either K through 12 or higher education, uh, G Suite for Education offers all the stuff we've talked about so far uh, at a reduced price, sometimes free, even depending on, I think, uh, sort of details. Uh, and it l- allows you to uh, really integrate with Chromebooks. And you see, you know, all, all these stories about Chromebooks taking off in schools. This is actually part of it. It's not just that the hardware is cheaper, which it is usually, but G Suite means that if a kid smashes a Chromebook, they just sign into another one, you know, ship that broken one off for repair, and all their stuff is there. It integrates really fluidly and seamlessly. So all their stuff's on the cloud and nothing's on the local device. Like I said, I am by no means an expert in the education side of G Suite, but I know. Uh, a lot of schools in my area, people you know, people I've talked to over the years online, who are using it in K through twelve and higher ed to, to to great satisfaction. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of those folks listening to the show because we hear from educators all the time, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are G Suite for Education like certified, or they they get you know acknowledge that they they understand that, and a lot of them are MPU listeners, and. That's I, I would argue that G Suite for Education is more the reason that Google is eating Apple's lunch in education than even the cheap Chromebooks. Because yeah, once you get that platform lock in and it's just so easy and the teachers who, who aren't necessarily geeky learn how G Suite works, it's going to be really hard to change that. I think that's absolutely true. And, and it works. I mean, I've seen it with my own kids. I mean, they don't print papers. They turn in Google Docs and the teacher, they have an audit trail. So the teachers can say, you know, turn this in by, you know, 2 p.m. And that's what the kids do. They they get their stuff done and digitally turned in. I think something else to consider and we should talk about is, you know, G Suite, it's this online service. I go to it in my browser. But there are times where you want at least a copy of that data locally, like on your Mac or on your PC. And there is an, an application called, it's called just called Google Backup and Sync. And it lets you uh, effectively keep a copy of all this stuff on your local machine. So if you, so if, if something happens, you still have that data locally. If you are a G Suite customer, there is a drive file a stream, drive file stream. And it it sort of works the way drop. It's not Dropbox Infinite, um, but uh, I forget what they end up calling it. Dropbox. You know where basically you can have a file. It looks like it's in Finder, but it's actually on the server and downloads on demand. This is sort of like that, uh, but it makes sure that any changes across any of your Drive files, so any Google Docs or any like images or PDFs, anything stored in Google Drive itself, which is sort of a storage repository online, that. All of this gets synced to your local machine. So if you're offline somewhere, you still have access to this stuff, right? Because that's always an important thing to consider. Like if you if your if your type of work means that you're off in the middle of the woods, you know, five days a week doing something amazing in nature, but you need your documents from time to time on your laptop, like that's a different set of criteria than what I have where I'm in a studio on an iMac with like high speed internet 
basically all the time. So this allows you to sort of uh, mix and match your priorities and say, hey, you know, actually, I do want all of this locally or at least uh, a cached version of it so I can get to it offline. It's pretty handy. And I would argue, in addition, uh, the local copy of this stuff, if it's mission critical things for you. I mean, it's great to rely on Google and all these years I've been using Google, some of these applications, I've never lost any data, but why not have belt and suspenders? Because as soon as you get on your local drive, then all your local backup implements, you know, whatever they be, uh, and it, it could even be a separate cloud backup. You know, you could back it up to a separate cloud or you've got a local drive attached or, or all of the above. Um, it just gives you more copies of your data. So you're not reliant on the vendor, Google, to make sure you never lose anything. Right. And it doesn't have to be as scary as data loss. It's going to be like, what if they're having some sort of outage and I really need something, right? I mean, yeah. even these biggest companies, even AWS, which like powers half the internet, it seems like, has downtime. And if it's really mission critical, I think I think your point is well made, have that stuff locally. So what I do is I run backup and sync and I have basically a copy of everything in our sort of shared world for relay just synced to my iMac and it's never come up where I needed to fall back to that. But I nice and I like to know that it's running in my menu bar and it just makes everything uh, a little bit more safe. Yeah. And the data files aren't, aren't, unless you have big attachments, the data files aren't extraordinary. You know, I mean, you, it's not that difficult to download it and it's just not a problem. In fact, this is one of those interruption points. I think if you're listening and you're going to use this stuff, uh, we put a link in the show notes. Make sure you download this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you can also use the uh, the Google export tools. So you can actually go in and like make an archive of everything in your account. I do that a, about every 90 days just to have a, a, an archive of everything. Again, we talked about in the Mac Mini episode, I have a Drobo and apparently my mission in life is just to fill it up. And so I just have an archive of my G Suite app, uh, account there every once in a while. Why not? <laughs> Why not? It's not a problem. And when you someday you may need it. You just never know. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> we we uh, talked very briefly about it earlier. And this is something I definitely want your input on because I am not a big, I almost said Google Apps again, G Suite user. What about these admin tools? I mean, what all can you do when you have a paid account in terms of control? This is huge. And, you know, Relay, we have three accounts. We have mine, we have Mike's, we have Carrie, our, our sales manager. That's it. Uh, but even with three people, there are a lot of things I can do to sort of manage their accounts and the services we use. But if you're in an organization of 100 people or you're managing a school of 1,000 students, I think the admin tools scale pretty nicely and they give you insight and capability that you don't have if people are just running around with regular accounts. So they sort of fall into four or five big categories. I think the most common one that I use, at least at Relay, is the user management tools. So I can go in and I can you know create a user. So say that we hired somebody else. Uh, I can just create them an account. I can edit existing accounts. So if someone needs me to reset their password or, you know, say someone has a name change or they want to change her email address, or if someone leaves, I need to disable their account. I can do all of that really quickly and easily uh, from the administrative dashboard. I can see a list of users and go in and do uh, anything I need to do. I can also organize them into uh, what Google 
apps, G Suite calls organizational units. So if we had a bigger company, we had a whole sales department, I could have a set of policies for the sales department that would be different than, say, Mike and I as owners of the company. For instance, uh, the password reset thing. So I could say, you know, Mike and I, we can reset our own passwords, but anyone else, they need to come to me and I'll reset their password for them and then give them a temporary password. Something as simple as that from a policy perspective, you can set per user or per per group really pretty easily. It also gives you control under the individual Google applications that they see, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you can add different apps to your account. So everyone kind of gets the core apps, but say for some reason you didn't want Gmail, you just don't want email, you could turn it off and <laughs> no one has access to it. Uh, that That's pro- probably an extreme example because in my mind, that's the, one of the strongest offerings. But you can turn things on and off again, one by one, company wide or by these organizational units, which is um, so you get, you get this really fine grained control. And each app has additional settings. So again, I'll use Gmail as the example. Uh, Gmail has this thing called Labs, which are sort of, I don't know if they're experimental, but they're they're features that aren't turned on by default. And you could enable or disable certain lab add-ons, again, per user, per team, per you know company-wide. Or you could say, no one can use any labs. You just get the stock Gmail experience. Or I could say, you can have IMAP access, but not POP. Or I could say everyone has to use this Gmail theme. I want everything to look branded to my company. I could force that on everybody. It just gives me all these options beyond, yeah, just turn Gmail on or off. Well, actually, I want Gmail to be this specific way for these specific needs. You can, again, fine-tune all of that stuff through the dashboard. Yeah, you know the thought of... of Telling people what theme they have to use. Yeah, I don't. I don't enforce that. That's rough. That's rough. <laughs> uh, I, I don't enforce that. Uh, I do, however, enforce some password policies. So we all have two-factor um, turned on on our accounts. Uh, I can set pa- uh, password policies for like length or complexity. So I have that turned up a little bit. Um, and you can even I don't do this, but you can even set expiration dates on passwords. So like sure. when I worked at Apple. I had to reset my app, my internal Apple ID password every 90 days. And I couldn't just, you know, add a number to it. So my password couldn't be uh, Max Sparky is the best one and then change it to Max Sparky is the best two. It's like, no, 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 it has to be totally different. You can even do that sort of stuff, you know, sort of like corporate IT, quote unquote, things through G Suite. Yeah, something you added to the outline I didn't even know existed with uh, Google Apps administration. I called it Google Apps, didn't I? That's so hard. Uh, anyway, is device management. I didn't know you could do device management through the admin panel. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. So you can run your whole inventory through here. This doesn't just have to be Chromebooks and Android devices. You can basically just use it as an inventory system. You can set up an MDM, which allows you to enforce all sorts of settings on iOS and Android devices. I know what happens if they get stolen. You could basically hand out an iPhone that already has their account pre-configured push apps through the MDM, um, set up email accounts, all of this stuff. MDMs really give you a lot of power, and it's just built into G Suite. Now, it's more basic than some of the others out there on the market, right? There are some companies that this is all they do. But if you need something sort of straightforward and you don't want to pay for something else and this meets your needs, the device management tab, I think you're right, I think is overlooked by a lot of people, but there's some powerful stuff in there if you need it. 
And I think that's kind of an overall theme. If you're going to pay for a Google Applications account, a G Suite account, okay, I just need to start banging my head against the desk every time I say it wrong. <laughs> I thought you were the one that was supposed to do that this today. I know. I, I put it in your mind. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, I, it's just there's a lot of power with the admin. I mean, there's a lot you can do. There's even I didn't I didn't realize this until researching this. There's actually like resource managements you can you can basically tell g suite about all your conference rooms for example and they become locations so when someone sets up a meeting on their google calendar they say oh i'm in the uh, starfish and rainbows conference room oh that one's booked let me go to puppies and sunshine instead like all of this stuff you can just customize it so your employees have access to all of the resources of the company not just the docs and the pdfs but like again conference rooms uh travel calendars, all this stuff you can uh, you can build in and you can gain insights. So you can say, oh, this conference room is always booked, but the one down the hall never is. Well, that could be an indication that maybe that conference room down the hall, like maybe the air conditioning's broken and just no one reported it. Or, you know, maybe the projector isn't as good. You know, you can you can use these to gain insight into the business like you just wouldn't have otherwise. All right. Here's an important question. Let's say that Relay blows up and you guys get your own building. Right. Sure. What are you going to name your conference rooms after? I mean, what I would name mine after. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's going to be sh- Classic sh- Max. Uh, I would say, yeah, I'll say Classic Max. But then no one wants to go to the conference room Performa, right? Like no one just wants to go there. <laughs> so maybe if there's less than 13 of them, maybe we could do uh, the colors of the iMac G3. It's like, oh, I'll see you in Tangerine. Uh, I'll see you in Flower Power. Oh, that's you know? nice. That could work too. I, I would go with jazz musicians. You know, like there'd be Miles, yeah, Bird. It's good, know, dizzy. It's good. But yours is yours makes more sense for a tech company. <laughs> I feel like I would be SVP of conference rooms. That feels like that's on my side of the equation. No, I think that's um, that's right up your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a lot of people ask about uh, extending G Suite. So, like, how do you get data in and out of it? How do you integrate with it? And Google's done a good job here too. So there are tools for importing and exporting. So a lot, some of these services you got to look out for. It's easy to get data in, but hard to get data out. See a conversation about Facebook 15 minutes ago. Google does a good job at giving you uh, ways to do this. So if you're using, say, like an old uh, Microsoft Exchange server, you know, again, that hall closet server, it's creaky and not secure. They give you tools to import all of that stuff into G Suite. And if for some, some reason you need to move on, there are tools to export data back out. And that is huge for me as a business owner, knowing that my stuff is not all locked in. And like this comes in big and small ways. Like one of, one, one of my just favorite little features of Google Docs, not that I use it very often, but I know that it's there. I can export any Google Doc as a PDF or a Word document, which is like a menu item in Google Docs. And just knowing that it's not locked away in some sort of format uh, is meaningful to me. You're thinking about long-term, you know, long-term solutions, not what I'm, what, not what I'm using for the next five years, what I'm using for the next 15. So they give you all those tools and they allow you to integrate, say you don't even want to move everything, but you have an LDAP, which is a, like a, a directory of people. You have active directory on a Microsoft server. You can even just integrate. You don't even have to like export and import and replace the old stuff. G Suite can come alongside and give you online tools, but allow you to manage your users through something like an Active Directory. So it gives you a lot of flexibility when bringing new tools into your work set. 
This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox. We're, we're actually talking about email on this episode. And if you're like me, you just get way too much of it. There's just, there's just too much. And SaneBox is like my, it's my go-to way to filter my email, to understand what is, what is important and what's not. It, it's SaneBox is like a, a robot army always working on my email. So when I show up, it's all ready to go. And it works with all kinds of programs and services. Of course, it works with G Suite, but it works with lots of other things. You don't have to have some sort of special app. You can use the app you want to on your phone or your Mac because it's all working in the cloud. And this filtering is really smart. So uh, a couple of examples of things I love. Uh, Sane Later is a folder. So if an email comes in and it's deemed not to be super important, I, I just know it's insane later. And, you know, a couple times a day, or maybe the end of the day, I'll check that folder. And it's things, you know, Maybe it's a pitch from somebody or it's a it's an email from somebody I haven't heard from before. It's just waiting there for me as opposed to clogging up my inbox. Then you have the same black hole. So if you have an email and you decide you never need to hear from the sender again, put it there. You don't have to deal with like the unsubscribe thing. I had this just the other day. I tried unsubscribing from a marketing email from my bank and the, the unsubscribe link was just broken. Just like just didn't work. So I drug it in the same black hole and I won't get their marketing emails again. You can snooze email you can, so you can defer them to the next business day or, uh, or the weekend. And then you have sane reminders. So this is really powerful. So if I send an email and the, the other person doesn't reply, I can just, just get a reminder you know, a week later or however long saying, hey, you need to follow up with that. So to do that, you just CC, for example, one week at sanebox.com. And a week later, I'll get a reminder, hey, you need to follow up on that. You can move attachments to Dropbox or other cloud services to save space. And they have a various pricing plans. They start as low as about $4 a month. But you, dear listener, can check out a 14-day free trial. Just go to sanebox.com slash MPU, and two awesome things happen. One, you receive $25 credit on any plan. So if you're one of those $4 a month plans, that's, that's a lot of free SaneBox. If you sign up for that trial by February 24th, you'll be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. That's just that's just awesome. 66% of MPU listeners who try SaneBox get subscribed. I think you're going to be one of them. You're going to love it. So go to SaneBox.com slash MPU, receive a $25 credit on any plan, and check out that 14-day free trial. Hey, uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite parts of the G Suite, and that is the actual day-to-day applications, in particular, Docs and Sheets. This is this is like the 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 heartbeat for me of, of these tools. A lot, it has a lot of stuff, but for me, this is where I spend basically all my time. Yeah, I mean, and and like I said earlier, because there our collaboration is number one on their whiteboard, it opens up the application to do things that. You just couldn't do with a traditional word processor or spreadsheet. And just, I thought, you know, we've already kind of explained that, but I want to talk about some real world examples. Um, uh, Mac power users going back to time eternal has had this Google sheet where we track the future show topics we're working on, um, some sponsor management, a whole bunch of stuff we do that's all run through a Google sheet. And over the years, a lot of people have had access to it that needed it. And, um, it's just been a, a great way to manage the show in a collaborative fashion. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you can send me a Slack message and say, hey, what 
episode do we have in two weeks? And I can just tell you, or we can rearrange things. And it is so useful just to have, you know, have something that, you know, you and I can edit, Mike can see it as well. He can make changes to it. Like without, again, without saying, oh, what version did you save again? Or, oh, I have to open it from Dropbox or, oh, I didn't email it to you. Like, I just know that it's up to date because that's like built into the DNA of the tool. Yeah. And and the fact that you can rely upon it always being up to date opens up some additional options. Uh, a war story for me was in the legal practice. I had a thing where a, a judge made a bunch of changes to a bunch of things and and said, I need all this typed up by tomorrow morning. And it was something that I couldn't easily scan to OCR. It just the traditional technology tricks I would use weren't available to me. We had to brute force it. So I had four people in the same Google document at once and basically split the document into four pieces. And we all wrote it over a course of an hour, something that would have taken me four hours, you know, uh, to put together, but having four people work in the same Google doc at once. And there was just no problem. And some of the people in there were, uh, professional typists, you know, they were uh, paralegal staff that are just very fast on a keyboard and they were flying through the document and it was just great. And that's not something you would ever imagine doing with a traditional Microsoft Word document. Uh, another one I do on the legal side is sometimes I get lots of documents for review with respect to client matters. And the clients always know things about the documents because they've lived with them longer than I have. And I can try and get on the phone with them and, and get information out of them. But I find that's not the most ideal way. And clients sometimes need a little, I will set up a Google sheet and we'll have an index of the documents and I add fields there. Like, does this help you or hurt you? Or what are, you know, how did this happen or whatever? I have fields that I add and the clients go in and type it in. And because it's always up to date, I always have the most current information and I can even add notes as well. And then we can kind of collaborate. And that's something that before would take very complex software, but now you can do it with a, with a Google sheet. Um, Mm -hmm. um, uh, we had, um, you know, uh, Rob Cordry, who's the, the lost show of MPU, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, was telling me that, you know, he used to do that great, um, chil um, children's hospital and the, uh, they used to work on the scripts collaborative collaboratively through Google doc, where the different writers would write different jokes and in different ink colors in order to, you know, just kind of get the message across. This is before they had some of the more advanced tools they do now in, in Google. Docs. That's great. <laughs> but I mean, you know, and, and, and I think David Wayne, even when he came on the show, talked about how he, he wrote the script for, um, I forget the name of the movie. It's the one where Jennifer Aniston went to the nudist colony. <laughs> I forget the name of it now. Uh, Wanderlust. Yeah, Wanderlust. He wrote, he wrote the script for that. He was in New York. His co-writer was like in LA and they did it in a Google doc, you know? And so <laughs> that's great. You know, it's just, that collaboration just opens up a lot of options. It, it does. Uh, my favorite example is something internal to Relay that we call the Mega Sheet. Uh, I don't know how it got that name, but that's what it's called. It's a great name. And it sounds like Hurley, though. It sounds like a Hurley name. Yeah, it's, it's probably a Hurley uh, situation. So we use a, a, an invoicing system to send invoices to our sponsors, but that doesn't give us all of the the data we want sort of quickly at our fingertips. And so over the last five years, I have been slowly building, and I think now it's in a pretty close to its final form, uh, the Megasheet. So Megasheet has basically a, a copy of every invoice that we send. So the invoice number, the billing month, the amount, uh, the, you know, the cut to relay, the cut to the hosts. 
and then it has status. And status is really where the magic happens. This is all in a Google Sheet, and I created a drop-down menu to say, what's you know again, what state is this invoice in? So I have sent, I have payment pending, partial payment, paid to relay, paid to hosts. We have one called written off. So like if a sponsor goes out of business or, you know, I think I've used it one time in five years. Like we don't get the money. That one, um, a lot of fun things happen. Tied to this, uh, I'm using conditional formatting. So, so what this does is it looks at a cell and says, if this cell has this content in it, do these other things. And so if I say this invoice is sent, it turns orange. If I say it is paid, it turns green. If it's partial, it turns, I think, purple. And so I can just very quickly scan and kind of see where things are. But then I also have this set of formulas looking at all of this. So I can see just at a glance, okay, how much have we collected that's you know owed to our hosts? You know, we make host payout every other week. When it's time for that, I can I can verify that number against my invoicing systems. So this is a double check that we're doing the right thing. And you know, three people in the world see this spreadsheet is my greatest creation. But it gives us a lot of insight into our data. And again, because it's collaborative, I go in here and like Mike and Carrie have done things, right? They've entered new invoices. They've changed something. Uh, I can go in and mark them as paid when the, you know, the money shows up and they can see it. This is a tool that like really wouldn't be possible the way that our company works because I'm in the United States and they're in the United Kingdom we almost couldn't do this without something like Google Sheets. Yeah, and, and what you're describing are all traditional spreadsheet tools. Sure. And people use them all the day, but the, the, when you add the collaboration, the global collaboration in your case, um, that's what makes this you know Google um, applications a, a, a service worth looking at. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nothing here is – nothing Excel hasn't done forever – but putting it in this new context where I can do it on my iPhone, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Although, you know, talking about some of the bad parts of, of <laughs> using these applications yeah. is, you know, the iPhone and the iPad really aren't that aren't supported very well. Mm-hmm. You know? the, the iPad, in particular, the iPad apps, they're slow to update. I think they're, they're still not taking advantage of the new sizes uh, for the 2018 iPads. Copy and paste is weird. Drag and drop is weird if existent. They're not great iOS. Uh, no, they're not great citizens of the iOS ecosystem. And to make like to pour salt in the wound, they don't really work very well. At, I think in Safari and the desktop, but especially Safari, like mobile Safari. So it's not like I, oh, I can just go to the browser because it's kind of janky there too. This is a, a place where I really, if I had one suggestion for Google, it's make your iOS apps as good as your web apps are like really pour resources into them because it's frustrating to use them every day. Well, and, and you really don't have a choice if you're going to be on iOS because the, the web apps don't work on iOS. If you go to Google docs in Safari, it's going to say, no, no, you need to use our app. Yeah. I remember a story. I don't know if it's true or not. How, I guess at one point, Steve jobs had the name of the guy who was managing the iOS stuff at Google and he was upset with like the shade of the E and the Google <laughs> logo. And he called the guy on like a Sunday to complain about the color they used for the E. That sounds the, about right. You know, and the guy took the call and like, I feel like that 
that connection doesn't exist anymore between the yeah. iOS team at Google and Apple because <laughs> now it's like Apple comes out with a new feature and about 18 months later, Google gets yeah. around to implementing it. So that's the big downside for me uh, is is the, the lack of like super stellar iOS support. You know, it's totally usable. I use it every day, but it could be it could be a lot better. Uh, I think for me, the other one is that they just don't, they don't these documents and, and and sheets just don't look as nice as they can if you use something like Pages or Word. Yeah, I I wrote that in the outline is still ugly. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and it is. I mean, it's funny because like the MPU outlines uh, I have over the years like made changes to them because I just can't stand the default formatting of Google Docs so much. And and it's by far so I use Google Docs for all of my show prep and all my other podcast outlines look worse than yours. Like the MPU one is like a nice place to be, and like the connected one and these other shows is like ah, what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just can't, I couldn't take anymore when it, and it, it was a pain in the neck to set it up. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, they do have style formatting, but it's not as powerful or easy as it is in something like Word or Pages. And, you know, that gets back to my point at the beginning of the show. At the starting point, Word and Pages are tools for an individual user to make, you know, nice documents and spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the starting point for Google, it's a collaboration environment. Totally. I think that's, I think that's totally fair. And, the, and, you know, Google is driving towards making it prettier, but it's still not there. And and I think really one of the cutoff points for me would be if it's something you're going to print, um, uh, you really may want to think about doing it somewhere else. Um, but, you know, it's just that if you, you know, it gets down to the collaboration thing. It's interesting for me because as a lawyer, I do a ton of document collaboration. I mean, that's my bread and butter. I do, I read contracts almost every day and I'm always working with another lawyer or somebody else on them. And in that role, I have always been, you know, I, I, I take to it like a mind like water. You know, it's like whatever you want to do. You want to work in pages, I'll work in pages. You want to work in Word, I'll work in, you know, whatever the other person is comfortable with because I'm fluent in all the languages. So, um, you know, you take somebody that only understands word and you try and throw a Google doc at them, they're going to lose their mind. So I just do whatever. And I'll tell you that, you know, collaboration, online collaboration, while there's nothing better than it, we've been singing the praises the whole show, uh, change tracking and that kind of stuff. It's better in word. It's even better in pages than it is with uh, Google docs. And so those types of, of power user features aren't really that great yet. And I don't know how important they are. It took forever for them to get, um, they don't even call it change tracking. They call it suggestions. Yeah. Um, but it took them forever to get support for that on iOS. I remember one time I took a trip with my iPad and I had a client at the last minute send me a Google doc for change tracking. And I had to uh, VPN back home to my Mac <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> to change track. I mean, it was just like the most goofy thing, mm-hmm. but, but that was the only way I could do it because nobody at Google figured, I guess people at Google at the time just figured we weren't going to do any uh, suggestions on an iPad or an iPhone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it still needs work with that kind of stuff. But, you know, like the stuff you're doing at Relay is never going to get printed. It's just a collaborative platform right. to share information with coworkers. And that's like exactly what Google Apps is good at. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call it G- Google Apps, gang. I, I can't stop myself. <laughs> I'm so sorry. sorry. I put that mind virus in your brain. No, it, it's it, it's also just embedded because it was always Google Apps for so long. Yeah. Uh, so one of these sort of document sheets type apps is Google Presentation, which I don't have any 
any real time with, but I think you've checked it out. Yeah, I went in, in pre- preparation for today's show. We talked about this ages ago on Mac Power Users when we were talking about presentation tools. And I went and checked it out again. And in my mind, it, it doesn't hold a candle to uh, PowerPoint or Keynote. I mean, it's and it still doesn't. I, I don't like the fonts. I don't like the template. Of course, the templates are ugly. You know, it's just... I guess it makes sense. I talked to my kids about it at the dinner table last night because I was, you know, I was talking about, we, we talk about what we're doing in our lives. I said, I'm doing this show with Steven about Google Docs. And that's when I started asking them how they use it. And they use presentations all the time. But because in classes, you know, the collaborative element, the teacher wants the presentation turned in. So it just like solves that problem. But when you look at the things it can do compared to the things we can, I can do with Keynote, it, it's yeah. just, it's terrible. I, I think Keynote basically wins, even though we talked about last week, PowerPoint getting better. Like if I want to make a presentation, I'm going to Keynote every time. Right? Like the- well, I mean, just look, spending time, and I, granted, I haven't spent nearly as much time with the Google presentation tools as I have with Keynote and PowerPoint. But it's like if Keynote is a 10 and PowerPoint is a 9, Google presentation is like a 5. I mean, it's not close. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> The, uh, the, the core experience there for me, I still, I still think is Gmail. I mean, I do a lot of email with my job and I, it's branded relay FM. So, it, you know, it comes from relay.fm. Uh, I use a ton of filters, so I do use Sanebox on it, but, uh, regular Gmail in addition to G suite has built-in filters as well. So I use these for some things that, that someone like Sanebox can't do. So my favorite example of this is, uh, I have feedback for my shows, you know, on the relay site. So if you're on the relay site and you hit, you know, send email, if it's one of my shows, it comes to me. And there's this there's this cool trick. It's been part of Gmail forever, where you can append a plus sign and a word to your email account. So for instance, if you were going to send me feedback from the liftoff page, so I do a JSON, that actually comes to Stephen plus liftoff at Relay FM, and what these filters are doing, or they look for all email coming to that address, and it just moves it into a folder named liftoff follow-up. It, it, you can do all sorts of things. You can say, mark as read, keep as unread, uh, just delete it if I don't want to do that, you know, a set a flag, all of these things. But I just a really simple filter, just look for this email address. If someone's sending me something there, then just put it in this folder and it keeps it out of my inbox. And so when I'm prepping a liftoff outline twice a month, I just go into that folder and I sort through the email and, you know, reply to any I want to or pull links out of them. It could be a nice way to manage some things um, automatically. And unlike iCloud and, you know, what we spoke about this on the Mac mini episode, like my Mac isn't running to do this. It's happening actually on the server. So like, I don't even see that the email hit my inbox and then move. It just gets put in that folder automatically. This is a really powerful system. It can do a whole lot, but sometimes the simplest rules make me the happiest. No, and that is something that Gmail absolutely wins at is server-based rules. I mean, because it's Google. And of course, that's what they're going to do really well. When you compare it to um, uh, the the server-based rules you can do with an iCloud account, the disparity is even worse than between Keynote and Google presentations. I mean, it's not, you know, it's like a one versus a 10 in terms of what you can do on server-based rules. And uh, that's frankly one of the reasons why I'm a, such a big Sanebox advocate, because I like giving it to them to do. Yeah, absolutely. But but the, um, but yeah, it's it's so much better. 
with Google if you want to do that stuff. And the other thing that it does really well is it mixes with the IFTTT and the Zapier mm -hmm. and just the third party web services that want to glue things together. Uh, they always have more access to information on your G Suite, uh, various utilities, whether it be the calendar or the email, and they can do more things with them because it's just more cloud friendly. Yeah, it's it's really if if you if you treat your email as a hub for other things, this is definitely like sort of the default answer. So I, I've never gone full in with Gmail, uh, just because I like. There's a couple, you know, we've done email shows, so I won't go at, at a great length, but I like the portability of an IMAP account. It can work with any email application that I want it to. Like I have the relationship with the server company; it's my paid IMAP account. And while it takes away some of that automation stuff that we'd have with Gmail, I just like the control of it. Sure. And and Gmail does offer POP and IMAP access. To your point, it's not something like FastMail or Hover, which is like a straight IMAP account. Google does some stuff on top of IMAP. A couple of years ago, that really broke Apple's mail applications. Like it was really bad for a couple of years. But, you know, I use mail.app on my iOS devices and my Macs. I don't use any third-party mail clients. And both Gmail and my G Suite accounts work just fine in them. But that's always a question. Like, it's always in the back of my mind. Like, what happens if these two companies don't get along? Or Gmail is... Google is slowly moving to adding more and more things on top of IMAP. Now, I think Apple's responsibility to its customers is to support that stuff. But if they decide not to, that could become rocky again at some point. But... At yeah. least the last several years, it's been I've had really good luck with it. I mean, I'm glad it's working, but it does scare me a little bit. I, I like sure. the simplicity of not having to rely on those two giant companies working together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have like an open standard, that's always that's always best. And, and and what they're doing with the iOS apps doesn't exactly give me a lot of confidence, you know, <laughs> because the iOS apps yeah. don't seem to be uh, getting much love. Uh, anyway, um, so comparing this. You know, comparing them with Microsoft Office and and Word and Pages and iWork, I think we've kind of already talked about it. But I, I do think that you need to look at the advantages of each platform when you're picking one. Yeah, that's huge, right? Like knowing what operating systems you want, just looking at your list of priorities. So if you are someone who does print a lot of stuff, but you don't need to collaborate with anybody, something like Pages or Office could be a lot better choice. Or if you're like me in my situation where we work 100% remotely and like relay generates no pieces of paper, G Suite was an obvious choice. It's all about where you are. And I think understanding what each of these is good at, you know, I feel like you have Apple and Google kind of at the extreme ends of things where Apple is a, like a rich desktop application, mobile application first company and the cloud stuff is in service of that. And you have Google, which like, doesn't care about client stuff, client apps. It's all web stuff. You're just going to do it in a browser. Microsoft seems to be pretty much in the middle. They have good web apps. They have good desktop apps. They have a good cloud service syncing it all. And so it's all about kind of, you know, which solution works for you best and, of course, which company you're most you're most comfortable with. Some people are not, aren't using Apple products, so iWork isn't an option, but some people don't want to deal with Google. So there's always give and take there. And I think it's just about understanding where you are and what your needs are before going out and, and signing up for something. 
Hey, before we continue, I want to talk about our sponsor, uh, and that's the folks over at Squarespace. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, or even, as I'm about to tell you, a wedding site. Um, There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, uh, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. And I have a little story about how I was recently a hero to a friend. Uh, A good friend of ours has got engaged and they're about to get married and she wanted to build a website and she knew I was a nerd. So she's like, Dave, you got to help me build a website. Now, anybody listening to this who's ever helped a friend with a website knows those are like the words of doom, right? It's it's almost worse than being asked to help them move, you know? <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to build a website. Then every time, you know, you know the plugins break or whatever, I'm going to hear about you know, Like you're taking on a lifetime tech support commitment. That's not true with Squarespace. So I had her over. We sat down. Uh, had her bring her computer so she could do it herself. And I spent about an hour with her getting the basic wedding website set up. And Squarespace has got a bunch of tools for that. So it's really great. And within an hour, honestly, she was totally conversant with Squarespace and able to build her own website. She was loving it because it gave her so much power. You know, she wants to move a line. She moves a line. She wants to add an email entry or email form. She was able to create an email form. And then once I showed her how to import the picture, she was going nuts with all that stuff. And now I go in and check this website and it's like changing daily. You know, <laughs> I, I think she's like... I think she's getting ready to start a web development career, you know, <laughs> because she loves it so much. And and that's exactly what Squarespace does. It allows normal people to build their own websites. I did that with the Max Sparky and, and my legal website, because I'm not a web developer. I don't want to spend all my time learning PHP and all this other nonsense. I just use Squarespace and it, it looks great. And the best thing is the plan start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. When you decide to sign up to use offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Mac power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your purchase. Help a friend build a website and become a hero for them. Uh, we thank Squarespace for all of their support of Mac Power Users and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So we've spoken about Gmail and Google Docs and the administrative tools, but G Suite offers some other solutions as well. And there's kind of a laundry list at the end of uh, the episode, but I think a, a big one that I don't personally use, but I know is really like key to how a lot of teams work is Hangouts. Hangouts is like a, a term, it's a brand that Google has used a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. And like the consumer version you use with your regular Gmail, that version of Hangouts is in flux a bit. Like I'm not, it seems like they're changing it or maybe it's going away. The, the, depending on what you read, when you read it, there's some change coming there. But for paying G Suite customers, Hangouts is really sort of three tiers of, of product. You have chat, which it sounds a lot more like Slack than like I, I was thinking like the old like you know Google Chat like in the side of your Gmail is like one kind of like AIM back in the day, but 
Hangouts Chat is sort of like a Slack or Microsoft Teams competitor where you have virtual rooms. So not everyone is in the same chat altogether. You can have rooms based on project or based on team. Uh, each room can support up to 8,000 members. Like I don't want to be in a, any group conversation that big, but if you need it, uh, it's there. Uh, and it always doesn't it always feel like anytime there's a successful web-based application that Google has a strikingly similar one. Oh yeah. Very shortly after. <laughs> that's their MO. They can just yeah. uh, spin something up real quick. Transcripts from this can be stored later for, uh, so when Max Sparky needs your e-discovery, it's there. Yeah. And, um, and Google does this thing with like third-party bots. So Slack kind of does this, but in a different way. Where like you can plug in bots and like ask the bot of something. So like Google search is there. So you can you can like basically perform a Google search within the chat or look up maps information or integrate with third-party stuff. Like if you're using GitHub or something else, you can pull that information into the chat like you can in Slack. So this is a a text-based tool to connect your you know your assumedly remote team. Uh, together. And it's one that, again, this just comes with a G Suite account. Like it's, it's it's part of the deal. And so you don't have to go elsewhere if you don't want to. Lots of people are already using other things. But if you're starting from scratch, you want everything all in one sort of space, you know, for user management purposes or something like that, uh, Hangouts Chat could be the answer for you. You know, it's interesting because just like Apple rewards you for kind of buying into their hardware ecosystem, you know, the phone can talk to the iPad and can talk to the Mac. Um, Google, I think, does reward you once you start using their products if you start staying within their ecosystem because all this stuff does tie together so nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, why would you use something like Slack with like separate user management? If you have 8,000 people in a in a room just having it where you already have all that user record data makes a lot more sense probably for some people. And then they have Hangouts, um, which is a lot more attractive this week to me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can uh, you can video conference. So if you want to have uh, a meeting and not use FaceTime or Skype, ugh, you don't use Skype, uh, you can use Hangouts Meet, Hangout. Uh, Hangouts Meet is what they call this video conferencing thing. And again, you have all this, the layers above it for uh, administration tools, and you can set parameters around meetings and who can do what. But it has that uh, that video conferencing just in the browser. But if you need more and you sign up for like the Enterprise Edition, one of those more expensive plans, you also get dial-in phone numbers. So if someone can't video chat, again, like this mythical person I've created where like they're working in the woods, but they're part of a company that uses G Suite every day, uh, you can just dial in from your cell and have audio access to it. Or if you have those big, fancy, like legacy Cisco or Polycom conference room phones and that sort of stuff, uh, Hangouts can integrate into that as well. So you can have a whole conference room dial in and have someone on the other end, for instance. So it's it's in the beginning, this was just like browser video conferencing, but it seems to me like they've really expanded that to meet the needs of especially like corporate types who have these other systems or have these other needs. I mean, don't you think that as Google unrolls these features, they start using them internally and then they're a big company. So yeah. they're going to hit all the pain points and, and it does seem like they eventually get a lot of those solved for their, probably for their own use. I think that's exactly how, how these big companies work, you know, especially, I think maybe Google more so than Apple, uh, just like, Hey, we need this. And so we built it and then we'll roll it out into our, like into our products over time. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I whine too much about it, but I'm pretty sure there aren't a lot of people doing a lot of file management at Apple on iPad. No. <laughs> Either that. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or they're just really slow. Um, and so the, and then the, so there's hardware, there's there's a whole bunch going on. Can we just take a minute, because you've been kind of talking around it through the show, kind of give us a 20,000-foot a view of how Google Apps or Google G Suite is being used over at Relay. Sure. So we talked about, you know, we use it for our email. So our email is all branded Relay FM. Uh, you know, I use mail. Mike uses uh Airmail or, or Spark or something. I don't know what he's using. He changes mail clients all the time. Uh, Carrie can use what she wants to use. And we use that email for all of our external communication. There's not a lot of internal email at Relay. We use Slack for that. In fact, if Mike or I email each other, it's kind of a big deal. Like, oh, you really need to look at this sort of thing. Like it's some, some companies that would be exactly the opposite. But for us, for some reason, how it's worked out, email between the founders is very like holy ground. We don't, we don't tread there very often. But we heavily, heavily use docs and sheets. So I talked about Megasheet, which uh, is our sort of external invoice tracking system. Uh, as a double checking, it's our billing. I have, I have Google Sheets for everything. David, I have it for keeping up with membership. We use a membership software, uh, Memberful, to power the Relay membership. But I track all that income and who gets paid what each month. All that is in a big Google Sheet. Uh, again, I'm not doing anything in here that I couldn't do in Excel or honestly probably even couldn't do in Numbers. But having it online, having it collaborative, again, that's the top priority for me and for Mike. We can both get to it. Um we use uh, Google Docs for basically all the show prep. Mac Power Users is in Google Doc. All my other shows are there. I think that's true for almost every show on the network. I mean, some people are using Apple Notes, but I feel like most people are using uh, Google Docs at this point. And those, you know, those docs necessarily aren't controlled by Relay, the, the business or the organization, but it's a way that I use Google Docs uh, at work. Google Drive, we use less. So Google Drive is like, it's sort of an umbrella term. You can just store files in it like you can Dropbox, but you can also access your docs and sheets. They're all stored in Drive as well. We don't use Google Drive for very much storage. We use Dropbox for that. We could use Google Drive, but this was something that Mike and I were already used to using. And so Dropbox kind of takes over all the storage space for us, not not necessarily Google Drive. Yeah, and, and I'm not necessarily sure I agree with the way that Dropbox accesses Mac OS because it does some system-level stuff to integrate with the finder, mm-hmm. but it works good. And that's a, that's a, you know, where Google drive doesn't do all that stuff. And I, I feel right. like you, you feel it. It's a little bit of a pain point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, w- one nice feature on the administrative side we use, you can set up uh, email groups uh, in the admin panel. And so, you know, say I wanted a public facing email, like sales at relay.fm and those would just go to Mike and Carrie or hello at Relay FM goes to Mike and I automatically. So like hello at that's not a actual email account. I go I cannot go in and sign in as hello at relay.fm, but it is just a group. So you can send an email there and it just automatically comes to Mike and I both. And again, with the organization of just three people, it's not a huge need. But if you're talking about like multiple teams, maybe even multiple locations, the email grouping 
can be extremely powerful to, to help funnel messages to where they need to go. And it's been like absolutely bulletproof. And honestly, it's it's one of the reasons we use G Suite. There's a very short period of time before we launched the company, but we were sort of just behind the scenes working on it, where we actually used Fastmail uh, at the beginning. And we ended up realizing two things. One, there's a bunch of Google Docs and spreadsheets that are just like tied to my personal Gmail account, and I want them managed by the company, right? So yeah. if I leave or someone else leaves, there's other people have access to them. Uh, and Gmail just gave me more options than Fastmail, including like this email group deal where you can do a lot of that stuff in Fastmail, but not as nicely, in my opinion. And I was like, okay, I just need all, I just need an umbrella to handle all of this. And G Suite was the the obvious choice. Uh, even just like I have an assistant and I have like for me to set up email forwards and things like that, I, I got to pay for every one of them with my traditional IMAP service with Gmail that's kind of baked in. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, again, like you get, sort of like the headline features, but all these details you get, all the extra stuff you get really pushed it over the edge for us. And like, and honestly, like we, our workflow is so dependent, especially on these big Google spreadsheets. Like I, I have no interest in really moving or looking elsewhere because our, our needs are met so well. And not to say if someone came along and really blew it out of the water, we wouldn't look, but we've been really happy with it now for going on five years. Yeah. And you've never lost data. Never. And you've never had a problem. And and it's like, let's say somebody makes something that looks better. You know, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to do that. Like for instance, uh, the iWork collaboration stuff, the, the web-based collaboration stuff is pretty good. And it's, let's say that in a year from now, they get it to where it's just as fast as Google, but it's got the pretty, you know, numbers and, and pages format. You are, um, you also, they have to fight against the fact that you've had five years of no, no problems with the existing service. And and honestly, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. That is a, that is a hurdle that's going to be pretty high. Oh yeah. I mean, these spreadsheets, you know, they're hundreds of lines long. There's lots of formatting. I do lots of math across individual pages in a spreadsheet, like individual tabs, all that stuff, you know, three people going in and changing stuff multiple times a day. And it just has been, there's never even been a hiccup, right? It's just, I know, I trust it. It is like verified that this is going to work. And that in a way alone is worth the price of admission for me. Just knowing that what we're using is going to be rock solid all the time. And it's $15 a month. Yeah, right? It's, it's <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's, uh, that's, that's all we pay. We just are on the entry level plan and that totally meets our needs. And like, I have no problem paying $15 a month for this. I would pay way more. Yeah. Don't tell Google. I won't. Nobody will know. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends at Luna Display. Having extra screen space while working from your Mac is super useful. It can make tiresome tasks more enjoyable by removing that tab switching frustration. So I just had this this weekend. I had some some stuff I need to do where I need a spreadsheet and a, a web browser with my banking stuff up. Doing it even on 27-inch iMac... Yeah, I, I needed some more space. I would never do this on my laptop, right? But even on the Mac, the big iMac, I was kind of flipping back and forth. And then I remember Luna Display can give me extra space. And so I pulled up just the static website on the Luna Display and did my big spreadsheet on the iMac. And it was great. You know, that iPad screen, it's stunning, right? It's it's in some ways the nicest screen I have around. And if I'm at my Mac is just sitting over there asleep, I, why shouldn't I put it 
to work. And I can do that with just a tiny bit of hardware that plugs into the back of my iMac. Luna Display provides crystal clear image quality, reliable performance, and wireless flexibility. And if the Wi-Fi is down, no worries. I can just connect over USB. And what's great is that Luna Display means your setup is super portable. So you can be productive at the office, in the studio, or as you travel. It's so great and super smart to work with extra screen real estate, especially while on the go. Luna works as a complete extension of your Mac. So you get external keyboard support. You can use the Apple Pencil. You can use touch interactions with Mac apps. It kind of blows your mind at first. And you're like, oh, wow, this is how this would be. Um, You can interact with your Mac with a swipe of a finger. And their all-new Liquid Video Engine brings significantly reduced latency for a faster screen refresh rate. You won't believe how just absolute minimal the lag is. It feels it feels like it's a Mac display. And that's the highest praise I could give it. Listeners of Mac Power Users can get an exclusive 10% off their Luna Display. Just go to lunadisplay.com and use the promo code POWER at checkout. That's lunadisplay.com, promo code POWER at checkout. Don't put this off any longer. Go check it out. lunadisplay.com, promo code POWER, 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, I, you know, there's there's some other pieces to the G Suite that we haven't talked about that are, are worth at least some discussion. And the first one for me is this product that's always been of interest to me from Google. It's called Google Keep. And you know how I love Notes apps. This is the <laughs> it's uh, true. this is the Notes app version of of G Suite. And um, I've gone and played with it. I think on the forums, I've read several users are big fans of it. I think especially if you're already invested in the kind of Google ecosystem, it's probably a good solution because once again, it, it ties in to all of your Google-y data. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. for me though. Yeah, it's not for me either. I don't like some of the... Keep is a little like free form, too free form for me, where I, I like a little more structure in my notes app. But you, you raise a good point. All of these apps can pull data from each other, right? So you can link really easily to a doc or a spreadsheet. Uh, you can update a note from your phone and it's because it's Google, it's in the browser when you get home. Like the sort of, like all these apps have like little tendrils into each other. And that's huge if you have a lot of data or again, are working with working with other people. I agree with you. Keep is not for me. Uh, I've I've tried it. It's It's fine. Uh, I think it works well for a lot of people, but I just want a little bit more in terms of organizational tools than what Keep gives you. Uh, Google Sites is one that you mentioned. I have no interest in Google Sites. <laughs> I, I haven't even explored it. It's like, no. Yeah. I feel like their their web pages are going to look like their presentations. Yeah. The design is lacking, definitely. But, but what this is, is it lets you create a website. Again, you can pull data from Drive or Doc or like shared calendars even. Uh, what's neat in conjunction with G Suite is you can use this and say you have to sign in with like an improved G Suite user account to see this. So like you could use this for an intranet, right? So we mentioned uh, SharePoint last week with Microsoft. I guess we got some feedback on that. I know SharePoint is sort of a, some people have strong feelings about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> that's a way I could say it without having to bleep myself in the edit. But it's uh, if you need to build something for an internal team. Again, this comes with it. Google Sites could be a way to do this. I agree with you. I don't think they look good. I think some of the tools are maybe not as elegant or as easy to use as, as some others out there, like Squarespace, uh, who is a sponsor. But it, again, 
with this concept of you're paying for it, it's there. And especially I think if you have the need of, I need to build a little website that only my employees see, this is probably worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, the design is not to what I would want to deal with every day. Yeah. Another one that kind of feels to me in that same vein is, is uh, the G Suite app maker. Um, which <laughs> you're not ready to build a web app. Come on. Well, you know what? It makes sense though, because once again, you know, we're kind of doing the show on the impression that you're going to, you know, you're invest in G suite, you're going to go all in. And, and this app maker kind of makes sense, even for some of the stuff you're doing at relay, if you wanted, like, uh, the example they use is a, as a way to rate vendors. Well, you guys could certainly do that with mm-hmm. sponsors you work with, where you could build a little web app where your team could easily add data to it and keep information. And, and these are, you know, app is a very small a app. I yes. mean, what you're doing is you're putting together little web components with a text box or a fill in field. It's almost like a combination doc slash sheet that's that you're going to call an app, but the, um, but, you know, if why not? I mean, if you're going to go all in with this stuff, it may be something worth exploring. Yeah, I, th- I think you summed it up well. Where this is, again, internal use. You're not, you're not going to build the next great web application for consumers with this. But if you wanted something as simple as, you know, uh, a directory or having uh, a way to input data into a, a Google Sheet, but the Google Form functionality, which like we didn't even touch on, but it's powerful and I, I, we use it a fair amount uh, across the various shows. This is a way to extend that. You can use uh, Google's cloud platform and they have like a scripting library and you can pull in third-party data sources. So if you need something, again, internal tools to your company and you don't want to go out and like hire somebody to like build an app that's just for 200 people, this may give you enough to at least get that started on your own. And again, because it's Google, it's all on the web. It all works responsively. So you can like build an app. People can get to it on their iPhone. From the administration layer, you can see like how many people have seen it. Were there any errors in it when it was running? Like all this administrative stuff on top of it is is key too. Uh, I don't have a need for this, I don't think. Like I'm not building SQL apps at any point within Relay. But if the need came up, this this – is probably the easiest way to do it, but I just personally don't have the need in my company. Uh, but in doing the show prep, Stephen found what I think is one of the coolest yes. collaborative tools <laughs> that I've ever seen, and Google's making it. It's only five thousand dollars, but it's kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> Who said Google stuff was always free? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is Jamboard, and Microsoft has shown videos of, some, of stuff like this. I think they even have a product or two like it as well. You know, you kind of, you walk into like a, a fancy uh, California conference room and like everyone's beautiful and it's sun, the sun is shining. And at the front of the table is this massive uh, 55 inch 4k display. And so you can use it for whiteboarding. Uh, all the information of course is saved automatically into like Google docs or Google drive. So you don't like, you know, we've all been in meetings where like someone takes a picture of the whiteboard. You don't have to do that. Like it's all gets saved automatically. It does video conferencing again, like via Hangout, so it knows about everyone in your organization. It knows about rooms they're in, and they can interact with it via an iPad or like another mobile application. So they don't have to have a Jamboard. You just have one, but they can go in there and like add stuff to it. This seems really cool. It's five thousand dollars. All this like sort of high end stuff is expensive, but 
uh, looking at this YouTube video and like reading some about it, this seems pretty slick to me. Yeah, I think we should both just get a second mortgage. Sure. And um, each get one, and we'll it'll be the MPU Jamboard, and we'll just write on it <laughs> through the day. What it would devolve to is we're just playing like tic tac toe on it, right? Like yeah, I think so. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and there are things like smart boards out there. I know teachers use a lot of. Sure. I mean, there's there's interactive whiteboards out there, but oh, this yeah. one, when you combine it with all of the the cool Google collaboration stuff, we just spent an hour and a half talking about. It really is powerful. I, and I'd recommend, even if you're not interested in it, go go on the link and um, just watch the video because yeah. it, it's really impressive. Before we end, I have some real-time follow-up, David. Uh-oh. Real-time. Uh, oh, so Relay's just going to send me a Jamboard? That's no, awesome. it's not. <laughs> just swipe the company credit card. <laughs> we're recording this on February 4th. As, it, like, as we were recording, Google updated Google Docs, Sheets, and Gmail to update uh, and support the new iPad Pro display sizes. Oh, so, hey. Hey, we didn't have to wait 18 months. Just no, two. Just two. Uh, so there you go. Actually, a little longer than two. We but, recorded yeah. it and we made it happen. So yeah. that's clearly what happened, right? Well, you know what happened is the guy in the cubicle at Google was looking at our, our show notes. Oh, don't don't even, don't give, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> and then he sent the word up to uh, Sergey and said, oh, hey, oh we got to fix this. These guys are going to talk bad about us. Don't, don't feed... The, ru- the rumors don't feed the okay sorry sorry <laughs> i was teasing i was teasing so that's right. that's g suite i run my business on it you can go from a company of three way up to a whole college full of students um and everything in between uh, i think if you're in that position where you need management tools you need software tools it doesn't have to be a company right like i'm on the board of a nonprofit. we use g suite there you know and uh all sorts of people can can utilize this all the way down to, hey, you just want an email account with your company domain name on it. $5 a month is hard to beat. So uh, I'm a fan. I, you know, I am too. I, I don't use it, but I totally get it. And um, and I, I could see myself using it. And uh, either way, uh, it's they've, they've come a long way. I, I've got to finish the show now because i got to go download the updates. <laughs> That's right. But, um, <laughs> but we're the Mac Power users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. If you've got some feedback on this stuff, the forums would be a great place. You can find that over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Uh, you can uh, also find us on Twitter. We are at Mac Power Users on Twitter. Uh, Stephen, uh, you want to tell people about what's going on over at 512 Pixels? Yeah, so if you're into uh, Apple history or just my take sort of on the larger Apple kind of news cycle, uh, I'm blogging there, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at ISMH. Uh, over at Max Sparky this week, I've got a couple posts queued up that'll be live by the time the show goes up, uh, where I've been playing with Apple Mail. I went back to Apple Mail, mm. and I've been doing some cool Apple scripting, even with some help of some listeners on some of it. And I've got a new Apple script now that will get the first name automatically, even if they're their email it goes last name comma first name oh nice little apple script stuff there and um and i found uh and i created a uh an apple script that will drop an OmniFocus link in anything you know OmniFocus has the little thing where you press the keyboard and it creates the link but now right. you can drop it in you could drop it in a google doc or you could drop it in a uh, apple note or you can drop it in a calendar item. Oh, that's, so that's cool i've got some cool apple script go- stuff going up this week so that'd be worth going and checking out all right so anyway thanks to our sponsors omni group same box Squarespace and Luna Display. Uh, We'll see you next week.